On this week's episode of the Limehouse podcast, we speak to our future, our choice, and Remainer now. 40% of young people are actually willing to campaign in some form against Brexit. That's not 40% of young people hate Brexit, that's 40% of young people hate Brexit so much that they're willing to campaign against it. There is this general belief that all Remainers feel like they're the educated ones and, and that they feel that Leave voters are stupid. That's just wrong. If you're a rocket scientist working for NASA, you're no more likely to understand the single market than anybody else. Teenagers now, it's people that are still going to be lumbered with this, you know, that haven't even been born yet. So wherever you are, please enjoy this week's episode of the Limehouse podcast, your liberal speakeasy. And if you feel like sharing, please do so, whether it's down the pub or at your local bring and buy sale. Enjoy the show. Many thanks. Yo soy Margarita y estás escuchando Limehouse Podcast. This is Paddy Ashdan and you're listening to the Limehouse Podcast. What a good name that is. Hi, I'm Tom Brake and this is the Limehouse Podcast. Hello, this is Nick Clegg and you're listening to the Limehouse Podcast. I hope you enjoy it. Because I'm not persuaded by the case for war. This is what positive politics can do. Well, welcome back to the Limehouse podcast, guys. How have you been? How have you been doing, you uh, lovely little limers, you? I have been cold, um, to say the least, and I know you you all have been, um, but it's fine. I've met with Rob Varley, the, that's the head hunt show at the Met office, and it, it, it's, uh, it's officially over. Spring, I mean, spring has died, summer has been bypassed and we're now at the start of winter sorry we've we've gone full circle cheers Jetstream you big bag of wrong fish Jetstream is such a wanker I'm sick of it but anyway look I do this every week I'm not going to moan about the weather it's just because I've worked in it and I'm and I'm dying slowly my will is dying but yeah no it's been a it's been a hell of a, a busy week I, I Russia uh, Cambridge Analytica, and of course Theresa May's chit chat with the European Union. But yeah, she's uh, she's on the biggest political, not chemical, come down of her life. Essentially, spelling out that Brexit is is barely worth doing, and if we do it, it might be ever so slightly better than being out. But at least we'll be able to begin trade talks. With you know those countries with with human rights violations, as long as uh, it's like a very very long suspect Inspector Gadget arm. I mean, genuinely, if you're part of the Hard Brexit Brigade or someone that voted Leave, thinking it'd mean leaving in a matter of days, you would be freaking pissed right now. The, the not not only pissed. Because of many different reasons behind it, I suppose you'd be looking at fish, fish, what, what? Um, it, but, but in terms of the time frame, due to the fact it kind of looks like an awful 
lot of time before we will actually leave if you're a hard leaver. And and that even when we do leave, not a lot will change, you know. And hell, we're also going to be nice to those pesky Europeans. You know, they're, they're still going to be able to come over here and we'll, we won't be able to be kicking them out, it looks like, ever. So um, they'll be still coming over here and doing the jobs we hate to do, paying back into the system uh, that, that helps build and support our country. Um, so kind of in, in a way, you, you've got to ask yourself, after you've paid the 40 billion, is it worth it? Is is it is it wor- worth it? Um, and we, we don't even know what the final deal is going to look like at the end. So bearing that all in mind, perhaps maybe a, maybe a, 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 we could ask the country before we say, you know, see you later to the entire European Union. But anyway, um, Cambridge Analytica, I mean, you know, obviously uh, it's one of those things that I think a lot of us might be slightly intimidated to talk about because it, it does involve tech. And I think that's where a lot of this has come from. Also, it's enormous, right? It is such an enormous topic. Propaganda genuinely gets its power by seeming that it is overarching all of us, that it has control over us and and it will manipulate us into thinking that we should not question it. We do, obviously, plenty of us do question it, but clearly not enough. And yeah, I know we've spoken about Cambridge Analytica on this show before with um, AC Grayling, but it's still really pretty goddamn shocking how corrupt these people have been shown to be. It's I, I, I really genuinely don't know where what to say or where to start. You know, well-moneyed powers trying to corrupt and manipulate democracies around the world for their own gain. Um, is this a, a relatively new phenomenon? No, not really. You know, those behind this outrage saw a vulnerable platform, you know, like Facebook, obviously, that we're all, well, some of us are obsessed with and and spend perhaps a little bit too much time on it um, for whatever reason. And and they just corrupted it. It's as simple as that. There's, there's no real sort of grey area. They just came in and smashed it. And who knows what Facebook, you know, what part Facebook had to play in that. We we, we don't know just yet. But they their, their hand has been forced. But, um, you know, I mean, it's not it's not a new thing. Goebbels, 1930s, 1940s Nazi Germany. Um, it, obviously, he he was doing it by other means, but corrupted it all uh, and used it in a in a horrific and very well, let's say, successful way. Either way you look at it, uh, and yeah, we do it in in Western democracies. Obviously, not in in um, in the name of murder, mass murder, uh, deportation, but we still do it to get the same end result, the same the same end game. You know, but what is what? But what is shocking about this? You know, and you do have to draw a massive dividing line between this is the actual enormity of it, the manipulation that has gone on here. It, it's beyond doubt, it, in my mind, that it's it's too little, too late as well. It's beyond it's beyond doubt that this this needed to be rugby tackled so long ago. But there's this there's this 
essence almost that tech should be worshipped, should be praised, should be shined, constantly polished and encouraged. And yes, it should be, of course. But this particular thing, Mark Zuckerberg, uh, the Mercers, Alexander Nix, Cambridge Analytica, is it not slightly disturbing that the all these forces, these dark forces that have been at work, you look where they have been at work and they have worked. Brexit. Trump. Now, I don't want to get into trouble, but I would say they've had somewhat of an influence, an overriding influence over these things. And how long before that ship sails up the Thames, parks its grubby little anchor right down outside the House of Parliament where it forces the issue? Our government has to freaking do something about this and it sounds like they're moving slower than a three-wheeled tractor in mud but having said that we i don't know behind it all but it's really suspicious that it's taken this long to get a warrant to go into those premises the cambridge analytic premises and do something about that you know how does that make you feel freaking how does it make you feel as just a normal person, a normal person trying to get on with their days. Shit, man, I'm on Facebook all the time. Oh my God, what do I do? Do I delete my account? No. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to do anything crazy. I mean, I'm not saying that's crazy. You can delete your account if you want. You know, it sounds like you've got a few hurdles to get over, but it is doable. You know, and just think about what you're doing there on Facebook. But the thing is, I don't feel like I'm manipulated on the stuff on Facebook. I don't. I, I go on it perhaps once a day for about four or five minutes because I have people around the world that I want to check in with. What about you? Do you have that? You know, a really good valid reason to be on Facebook. Do you even need a good valid reason? Isn't it just a bit of fun? But when it does come to elections, they've got to fucking stay out of it. Just keep your fucking nose out of it. Like these people that come in with their goddamn propaganda. Can you just, it's so enraging. Clearly, I'm trying to stay in control here, but I'm just wondering how many of you out there feel this level of anger. You know, if you've sat down and watched either on YouTube or live, as which I did as part two of this, um, the Cambridge Analytica stories yesterday on Channel 4, I sat down, watched it live, and it was, it, it was mind-blowing. But also, like I said, come on, there's a level of credulity that we're all signing up to here that we're turning our backs on and I don't know how that happens I, I and I don't know because obviously it, it's not a physical tangible enemy this is a, an enemy that has become it's it was sort of within us that we read this shit and believe it I don't I don't fucking I don't read an article that says 750 million or 7 million Turks are going to come over and and cause havoc and destroy our country and our British identity. I don't believe stuff that says 350 million quid for the NHS every week. Of course you don't. But there are people that do. There are people that are looking for that unicorn that's going to save the the great British, the, the great British, whatever it is, the situation we're in. The, the, the left behinds, the people that have fucking been ignored for years, that see an article on Facebook that says, you know, all Muslims are terrorists and go and then back up their rhetoric that they've been reading about in the Daily Mail for years and years. It's like Murdoch did the groundwork and then Cambridge Analytica came in with their with their algorithms and their absolute tech superiority and smashed, smashed it. Absolutely home run. 
and change the course of British democracy. And that's a fact. At least I think, in my mind. But fuck it, what do I know? But anyway, what, what's coming up this this week? Because I've re- I, the only reason I've gone on about this, guys, is because it is, it's something that is close to us all. Facebook is like a third wheel in our life, right? It's a third. It's, it's, we, we rest on it. We rest on it in such, in a way that we think we've got control of, that we think, yeah, we don't need it. I can fucking turn it on. I can deactivate it. I'll go and deactivate it now. You're going back to it in a month. You know you are. It, it's it's weird. I don't know how that has happened. It's like the invisible crutch that we just, it's not there. It's not there, but it is. Or whatever it is, an addiction that we just, it's an it's not even an addiction that we'd say is, is destroy. It's not even destroying our lives. But when push comes to shove, when a fucking referendum comes around, when a, when a, an election in the US comes around, it makes a huge difference, doesn't it? Anyway, end of that. Draw a line under it. This week's episode. Yeah, so last week had an amazing conversation with Our Future, Our Choice and Remainer Now. These these are groups of um, young campaigners who, you, you'll know Femi from the, the from Femi and Will from the telly from um, Our Future, Our Choice. And they, they've come to a lot of people's attention because they're talking to the younger generation about Brexit. They're talking about, they're talking to people that have voted leave and have changed their minds. And, and it's, it was, it's a great conversation, you know, and obviously you, you can only wonder what we spoke about. Brexit and, and Brexit and Brexit. Yes. But yeah, it's the first time, genuinely, I've ever felt like I've been to the, the very nerve centre of a campaign, a really positive, young, vibrant campaign. And we, we had like a roundtable conversation uh, with, started off as four of us. I, I will say, though, um, it is a bit atmospheric. There's a lot of, of movement going around. We were in the Best for Britain uh, HQ and there was a lot. Of, there's, one time there's a freaking paper bag in the background that sounds like a jet engine taking off. So you just roll with it. You know, there are worse things in, in, in the world, Cambridge Analytica. Um, but yeah, Femi, amazing. Will, amazing. Andy, amazing. I know you'll love it. Um Will's got an amazing story. You know, he's got a wonderful story. He's 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 my well, he was my age when I was he was my age. What the fuck? I when he was um when I was his when I was his age, I was I was marching against the Iraq war. You know? He's twenty odd years old. He's very like twenty years old. When I was twenty, twenty-one, I was um yeah, I was doing these things. I was getting excited. Now he's doing these 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 wonderful things and he's so more articulate than me. And he's so exciting to listen to. And there's you'll hear a lot of Will in the beginning. And it's really, really cool. And young young gen the young generation, I mean, come on, they're inheriting Brexit. Of all the, the demographics we need to be listening to, they are the ones. And I'm not saying categorically that they're gonna be having to pick up, you know, pick up the entire mess because we don't know but the indication is that it is going to be a massive fucking mess so i'm backtracking yes they're gonna to have to pick up the mess um but yeah anyway look enjoy enjoy this week's episode i have i've gone i've gone on a bit this morning but um uh, I, I thought i would i thought i would i'd fuck it i'm gonna do it but if you want to if you want to help out the show um you know yeah it's a, it's a bit of a rusty tin bucket at the moment i, I want to upgrade it to like a a, a bucket a bucket 
that is a functioning bucket. Um, and you, you, you've been so generous in sharing uh, um, with this show. And and I can't like I can't say thank you enough. But if, if you do want to carry on reviewing on iTunes, asking people to do that, that would be amazing. Obviously, DIY show. There's no funding in this, you know, N- no Mercer money in this one, man. And fr- fr- frankly, I think the best way of doing that is just going down the, bu- the, the pub or wherever, talking, about, to, talking to your friends about it, you know. And that would mean a lot to me. iTunes, Facebook, I don't know, all dodgy now. Uh, yeah. And, and it really means a lot. So please carry on uh, bigging the show up. It goes a long way. And before I go, I'd just like to say hi to Steve, Steve Little, Phoebe, Giles, Natalie, Gemma, and all you, you wonderful limers who keep emailing the show. Uh, some of you want to know what the, the music is at the beginning of the show. That is Silence by escapists they're from london a fantastic band that i've seen her quite a few times and that they're, they're fantastic i'm really glad you enjoy that track but yeah if you do have any questions uh what have you and if you just want to say hi and and whatever shit man we go back and forth talk about the weather if you want the limehouse podcast at gmail.com and of course we're available on twitter at limehouse pod enjoy this episode and i'll see you next week just freaking hell what a week i don't even know where to anyway see you later yeah i mean you know you can shout if you want but i mean it's it's just gonna cut it might come across weird yeah you know hi uh my name's will and uh yeah Something wrong with these chaps. Yeah, 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 exactly. Um, okay, well, I've pressed record, so we might as well just go yeah, for it. Yeah, cool. um, as a listener, I don't know where this is going to come out. I think Will's going to be on your right ear and Femi's going to be on your left. I don't really know. But um, from my right, um, Will, how are you doing? I'm very well, thank you. Yeah, and thanks so much for inviting me in. Not invite, agreeing to this conversation. Thanks for inviting it's, us onto the podcast. Yeah. More okay, well, there you go. That's beautiful. <laughs> That's beautiful. And Femi, thanks very much as well. My pleasure. It's, thank you for inviting me. Yeah, man, again, my, my pleasure. This is beautiful. It's a loving. <laughs> um, so polite. <laughs> so where, where did it, because there's two other people involved um, in Our Future, Our Choice. Where, um, where, where are they and where do you guys all meet? So... There's many people involved in our future, I'll show you so fuck. Uh, there are two other co-founders who are Lara, uh, who is currently studying for some exams in Cambridge, and then there's Callum, who is currently in Hull, uh, where Femi was also today meeting with a group of uh, young people there who are trying to mobilise them to get involved and to try and stop Brexit. Okay, that's cool. And, and did you guys meet meet at uni or something? No, not at uni, because like, you're no, a bit older, aren't you? No, I'm, I'm, I'm ancient. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm a whole 27 years old. Jeez. I know, I know. I'm, I'm 37 I'm, this year. God, we're all dead. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, yeah. Um, yeah, so uh, I finished uni in 2013, um, and I, I studied law, um, EU law specifically, uh, and... Pretty handy now. Yeah, I know, I know. Um, and But that was essentially what got me politicised because I realised that David Cameron wasn't telling everyone the whole story uh, and that he was not only failing to give people basic facts about the single market but also not 
giving the obvious counters to the, the things that were being said by the Leave camp. Um, and so that's what pulled me off the bench. And so I started campaign 2016, um, well, in February 2016, um, making little videos, explaining what the single market is, explaining how EU immigration actually works. Yeah. Um, and yeah, we lost. Uh, but after that, I realized, no, it's not okay to simply allow your country to be lied to and led down the wrong path. Um, so I kept fighting after the referendum. Uh, and I've been just basically continuing what I've been doing, getting the facts out there. I started taking on Nigel Farage um, on his show on LBC, uh, calling him up. I got him to admit, point blank, that he, um, that there were controls that were available on immigration uh, under EU law that we simply weren't using. Mm. Um, and so I was doing very well. So you could say winning the factual side of the debate, but I realized that's not enough. We needed an emotional argument. The best emotional argument is your kids do not want this future that's being forced on them. Yeah. Um, so I created Our Future, Our Choice last September. Um, uh, and I was continuing that, giving the facts and also giving the emotional argument. But I was just a voice on Twitter. Um, what I needed was a grassroots um, rising up, uprising. That's why you say it. Um, <laughs> um, and somebody pointed out to me on Twitter that, hey, you should probably notice this guy, Will and Lara, they've created an actual movement. They've got reps in 30 unis around the country. Um, yeah. No, no, so, no, that, yeah. That, I, was just, I, I was just like doing a David Brent, like sort of point, <laughs> po- pointing at Will there going, hey, this guy. I, you I, know. I misread the cue. Which makes you Gareth. So, yeah, uh, I... I an actual movement is what Will and Lara brought brought to the table, um, uh, and so we we hooked up on Twitter uh, and then hooked up in real. Oh, that's I probably shouldn't say hooked up in that way. <laughs> uh, we we um, joined forces in real life, yeah. um, and our future, our choice was was born. Um, and then through other people that we've been working with, um, we we came across Callum, and Callum is the heart of this entire thing. Because Brexit was a cry from people who have been left behind, from the failures of, of this government, of several governments, um, and Callum represents that. Callum grew up on council estates that were heavily that were heavily deprived. Um, he, the, the, the the state protections, the social assistance system has failed. Um, hasn't done everything it should have done by Callum and Callum's family. He is the heart of this organisation, um, and because. So yeah, um, our future, our choice was born out of the four of us. Yeah. And, and Will, how did I mean? How did you respond to, to Femi's reaching out to you guys? Because obviously, it's a, a, a Twitter-based movement to start with. When? How did you guys? Yeah, make that happen. So uh, Femi slid into my DMs. I believe that's <laughs> the correct term. And I obviously, like, Femi didn't know me, but I knew Femi because he's obviously has this significant presence in the. Remain movement, uh, and I was like, "Yeah, this is awesome." Uh, we organised to meet within a week or two. Uh, we met. There's a photo where we're sharing a Boots meal deal uh, <laughs> on the internet, and as all great movements start with such uh, meal deals, and we, yeah, we just kept progressing and progressing. And um, now I think we're, like Ofuck is in a very like good place. I think we 
uh, there's a lot of opportunities for us to really mobilise you know, hundreds of thousands of young people because, I mean, we did a poll right at the beginning with YouGov which showed that 40% of young people are actually willing to campaign in some form against Brexit. Yeah. That's not 40% of young people hate Brexit, that's 40% of young people hate Brexit so much that they're willing to campaign against it. You know, so there's a great energy and potential within young people to really be the engine of change yeah. with regard to ensuring that Brexit uh, doesn't happen because, as Femi said, you know, young people just do not want this for their future. Yeah, and how, how do you feel about... Um I mean, say young people and the recent general election and the 3.5 million people that signed up to, but you know, clearly that you could, I suppose you could point that a lot at Jeremy Corbyn and the effect he's had on the younger generation. How do you guys feel about um, the, sorry, we're in an office, it's a phone, don't worry about it. Um, It's actually not, it's a buzzer thing. Anyway, um, how do you guys feel about Corbyn and his, uh, I don't know, his firing up of the young, the young people? I think Jeremy Corbyn understands and the reason that he appeals to so many young people is that he understands that life in Britain for so many people just isn't working and it particularly isn't working for uh, you know people in poverty and people in left behind communities but another group which it's not working so well for is young people who are now the first generation to pay 50k to be educated in university which is not great or they're the first generation to really uh, to grow up in this horrific housing market, uh, to grow up in a jobs market which is increasingly insecure. And, you know, when you hear Tory MPs or Tory, to, some Tories on Question Time or whatever, whenever you hear them speaking, they're just a little bit unaware of what it's like to be a young person growing up. Now, not all, I actually don't think all, but I think quite a few. Yeah. Um, so I think that the source of Jeremy's support is that he gets it. Yeah. But he doesn't get it on Brexit. Because if you want to solve all of those problems, the best way to do it is to uh, stop Brexit so that you don't bankrupt the nation, so that you can actually solve, uh, you know, you can stop prisons crumbling. You can solve the schools which actually need huge investment and support. You can find a way to finance the NHS sustainably rather than just increasingly depriving it of the money that it needs. Uh, So, you know, I think a a necessary requirement of change from this country, which we absolutely need to do, we need to sort out all of the problems that everyone agrees we have, is to stop stop Brexit. And that's why we have to focus everybody who's on the kind of progressive side of politics to the centre-right just has to focus on the one objective, which is the huge threat to the country's future, which is Brexit. Yeah, no, that's perfect. And I've I've got to say, I'm really... Please don't take this in a patronising way because I'm 36, whatever. And you, what were you like, fucking 20 something? 20, yeah. Yeah, 20, you're 20. Christ. I tell you, man, when I was 20, I was like marching against the Iraq war. Well, that's, that's a noble cause. Yeah, I it mean. is indeed. It is indeed. But I mean, it's just great to talk to someone younger, like really a lot younger, that's so politicised. When, um, I mean, when did it, because I want to come back to Femi on this one as well, but when did you become so politicised? And I don't mean that in a, in a negative yeah, no, way, no, no, just no. active, you know? Uh, I actually, I, I started watching like Question Time when it was around like 14, 15, and I found it kind of interesting yeah. in terms of like, uh, it's a bit of banter, bit, <laughs> yeah. bit, bit of beef. Bit of drama. A bit of drama indeed. Yeah. And it was, you know, like it was just good TV. Yeah. So that's kind of, I think, that was my gateway drug into yeah. this stupid... Are we allowed to swear on this podcast? Yeah. Stupid fucking world that we're in. Yeah. Uh, and obviously, I vote leave. Um, 
So look, look, you say obviously not a lot, no one's going to know that because no, no, I didn't say it. Sorry, but, sorry, sorry. But yeah, I live with this fact, so that's why it's obvious to me. <laughs> yeah, so you, you voted Leave. Um, uh, I, I don't know why. Why did you vote Leave? I voted Leave um, because I, the best way, I think, to explain it is that, um, you know, they, they, in the referendum, Brexit was associated with Britain going out into the world... Uh, engaging with our allies uh, outside of Europe in a way that was impossible whilst remaining inside the European Union. Meanwhile, the European Union in Europe was painted as a uh, not only an obstacle to doing that, but an obstacle to doing anything uh, that we'd want to do because it was bureaucratic, it was slow, uh, it was a drag on us, it was uh, it was it was it was shackles. You know. Now, obviously. Uh, with the benefit of hindsight, um, I know that to be not true, and hence I've changed my mind. In fact, I don't think there's a better illustrator of the power of Europe <laughs> or the power of 27 countries acting collectively than these negotiations. Because what we've seen in these negotiations are 27 countries, uh, of which alone we're obviously, I think, the second largest in terms of our economy. But because they can act together, they can set the terms and they can set the demands, and then we can either acquiesce to their demands. Uh, or we can uh, have no deal. And that's essentially what's happening. And actually, that's also an illustrator of what will happen in the future, because when we go to America or when we go to China, they will set the demands and the choice will be their terms or no deal. So you like, literally like an awakening to it all, because well, I, 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 the- I, I kind of had that as well, because yeah. although I was a firm um, Remainer, mm. I didn't campaign for Remain, I just watched it in my armchair yeah. and got angrier and angrier. Mm. Um, and then it was after, really, that you really start, all the facts start coming in. Yeah. But Femi, it, do you want to yeah. wade in as well? Well, for me, it was just anger at the fact that we weren't being given those facts. I mean, there is this general belief that all Remainers feel like they're the educated ones and, and that they feel that Leave voters are stupid. That's just wrong. If you're a rocket scientist working for NASA, you're no more likely to understand the single market than anybody else. It's about how much do you know about the EU system? How much do you know about EU law? If you haven't studied it, you probably don't know what you're, what you're, what you're talking about. Because most people don't know what the single market is. The single market is a system which lets you make a single version of your product and it will be legal everywhere in Europe. That means you can buy and sell your things so much cheaper. Now, was that mentioned during the referendum debate? No. Is that the essence of what the single market is? Yes. So is any decision to leave the single market without those facts valid? No. Um, so you can't argue that Remainers had, had all the right facts or Leavers had the right facts because nobody did. Why? Because the politicians failed to tell us those. And so that's what politicized me, essentially. I really hadn't gotten involved in politics, politics up until that point, And that was what dragged me off the bench. Um, yeah. Yeah, and I mean, you're like quite a... You got. I mean, you guys. For anybody, I suppose anybody that is listening to this show would be pretty familiar with, with what you guys are up to, what, what you're up to, what you're doing. Mm. What's the next? What's the next step? And what's your like raison d'être? What's like your real your? Because I, I want to say party. You're a party, more of campaign group. It's mm. kind of hard to distinguish because and what have you. But what's your like um, motif, as it were? Well, we want to stop Brexit by democratic means. That's our entire raison d'être. Um, and that means that there needs to be a vote on the treaty that gets signed with the EU. Uh, the notion that, I mean, let's, let's face it, as we've discussed before, 
this the stronger part the stronger party in this in these negotiations is the EU. So, and any treaty, the any um, trade deal that gets signed anywhere um, involves obligations, uh, which for most Brexiters would mean a loss of sovereignty in the, ter- in, the ter- in the terms of sovereignty that they've been discussing. Um, so, the the notion that we're going to make all these trade deals around the world as a way of getting back our sovereignty, even though those deals will be with bigger countries, which will have more of a say, more power, more influence, more negotiating weight, is wrong because they'll be the ones setting the terms and we'll be stuck with obligations um, dictated by a larger party. Whereas right now, as members of the EU, where we have 73 of the 750 MEPs, which means that we, despite being one of 28 countries, we have 10% of its power. As far as sovereignty goes, this is the strongest position we could ever be in. Problem is, uh, as far as the rules of the single market, um, we had a 35% turnout in the last European elections. Consequence of that, who did we elect? UKIP. Um, What do they do? They go to the European Parliament and simply insult people. If you want to be an influential country, influencing the politics of Europe, don't elect Nigel Farage. He, 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 t- he turned up to one of 42 meet- meetings in the fisheries committee. This great protector of, great, of British fishermen, this great protector, oh, look what the EU have, d- have done to our fishermen, didn't even bother to turn up when he was supposed to be representing British fishermen in the, in the European Parliament. So if we, want, if we want to really be setting the rules, being a sovereign, powerful, influential, independent country, the best way to do that is by leading Europe from within. Yeah. And I mean, uh, have you guys come up against a lot of um, an- anti? You guys are anti-democratic. You d- you are subverting the will of the people. Do you ever get? Do you get so, a bit of that? I think we get. We do. We do get it. But I mean, it's 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 hilarious. It's funny. Sometimes it's funny. Sometimes it's horrific. And I think Femi can probably speak to the more horrific stuff than I can. But uh, there was one particularly hilarious one, which was Brendan O'Neill of the Spectator. Uh, who claimed that we were about to start some Italian fascist movement where we were telling all the politicians to move aside old men or some some I think it was like some Maoist thing in China where again it was just some young people doing doing something awful uh, so I, I love that we've existed for around a week and a half at this point we we have around we had around a thousand members at this point max and Brendan O'Neill is, is is already terrified that young people are going to storm Parliament and put Jacob Rees-Mogg's head on a spike. You know, <laughs> well, what's your membership up to now then? Uh, it's a bit higher, not horrifically higher, but we're working on that yeah. uh, as, as much as we can. And is that are you touring the touring the country, chatting with people? How does it work? Because I know that I spoke to Re- the Renew Party the other day, yeah. and they're doing a. Um, Oh, got a listening tour yeah. of Britain. Are you guys doing that kind of thing? Uh, yeah, uh, I mean, we were in Hull a, a couple of a couple of weeks ago. In fact, we've been in Hull. about I've been in Hull three times in the past two weeks. Um, uh, yeah, just basically going, having having chats with people, understanding um, what they would want to change about this country, um, how how they voted, what they think of over the way things are going now. And do they think that they deserve a say on whatever deal gets negotiated? Yeah. Um, and I've been in doing it in Sheffield as well. Um, and yeah, just basically getting... And I always try to engage with people as much as possible because people feeling left behind, often that's be, often that means that they haven't been listened to. What's the, um, I mean, what's the general consensus? Not the general... The general mood of the people you speak to? Because, I, I mean... So I, I, I always try and think of new ideas for the podcast and doing Vox Pops and yeah. what have you. 
Um, but I, I mean, I recently watched the Panorama one that Nick uh, Robinson did. He went up, to, I can't remember, a town in England and was, you know, talking about immigration. And um, it was pretty alarming. It was very it, interesting, wasn't it? Very interesting. Yeah. Pretty alarming, though. What's your general, like, consensus? You don't... I, I mean, I'm pointing the microphone at you, but it's like, you know, yeah, you, uh, you can yeah. talk together. I don't give a I, shit. I think one thing we found in Ho was that, to be honest with you, there were a lot of leavers. You know, we're not going to lie about that. And, you know, you look at the polls, they haven't moved that much. But the crucial thing that we noted was that a lot of these leavers completely agree with us that the government is doing a horrific job of negotiating Brexit. So when you ask them, um, how do you think the government's doing? Crap. So you think the public should should have the right to review what the government comes back with from Brussels? Oh, yeah, of course. So there's actually great appetite even among leavers, even among quite staunch leavers, for the public to have a right to review the terms that Theresa May comes back with, which is very good news for us, because if we get that opportunity, we can say, look, this deal, which is going to define great, a great amount of our future, it's just not good enough. Yeah. And I, I think that's a way to win it. I mean, it, make, it makes no sense to pursue a, a deal, a treaty, whatever you want to call it, in the full knowledge that both the people that voted to leave and the people that voted to remain don't want it. Because how is it the will of the people if nobody wants it? Um, so the, the idea that it would be undemocratic to have a vote um, on, on, on the treaty is just stupid. But isn't it illegal as well? Isn't there you guys are just yeah. coming together on, well, against David Davis or something? In a yeah, l- so this is not OFAC, but it's members of OFAC um, yeah. who have... So that's that's our, our, our future, future, our, our choice. choice. Just it's, just to reiterate it was that, just yeah. a pure accident. Yeah. yeah, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna pause just for a sec. Cause this is Andy. Andy has arrived. Okay, back back in a minute, chaps. Oh yes, we've we've carried. Brilliant. Okay, cool. Uh, Andy from Remainer now has has joined us. So um, I'm just staring at the recording device, just desperately terrified it's broken. But it's not. It's fine. <laughs> Look, it's working. Um, yeah, no, we, we would you be able to live with such a situation had you just racked off nineteen minutes of podcast? Yeah, I don't <laughs> think I'd be uh, earning many friends very quickly. <laughs> so, uh. oh well, we'll uh, well we were talking about David Davis, right? Yes, we were, and yeah, and a court case, a potential court case that might mm. be happening. No, okay. it, it is happening. Yeah. So, in two thousand and eleven, the Tories passed something called the European Union Act, which was. Uh, supported by a lot of these Eurosceptic MPs uh, who wanted a referendum, a referendum lock on any powers that would be transferred from Parliament to Brussels. Now, on the bill, there are several conditions under which if a new treaty which replaces an old treaty does X, then it has to have a referendum. One of those conditions is if it gives the European Union or any institution in the European Union powers to impose uh, obligations or requirements upon the UK. Well, hilariously, of course, the transition deal just does just that because uh, in the transition deal, if the EU, Femi will be able to correct me, comes up with a new car regulation, we'll be bound to accept that car regulation. So they can impose a requirement or an obligation on the UK. So if the transition deal or the withdrawal agreement is going to replace what is currently existing, then the people actually have a right, potentially already in law, to a vote on that deal. Yeah. Put that into a, a, a sentence that people can, like, oh, sure. cohesively get. Do you know what I mean? It's really, that's Sorry, a tricky ba- one, ba- right? Basically, the deal being... But you did really well, I'm just saying. Basically, the deal being negotiated is such that we'll have a transition where the EU will be setting the terms, but we'll no longer have a seat at the table. 
Mm. Um, and so, and, and the refer- and the 2011 Act, the European Union Act in 2011, said that you can't have a situation where we give the EU more power without a referendum. Without 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 a referendum, yeah. which means that to, to go into this transition period by UK law, you have to have a referendum, mm. which is what we're trying to say. And it's, it's basically the Eurosceptics uh, getting bitten in the yeah. behind, isn't it, yeah. really, yeah. from their own... Because they didn't read, uh, they didn't read it. Well, like... I think the hilarious thing about this is that they will never be able to say, you anti-democratic, ramoning, metropolitan elite loser, yeah. because they, these are the guys who wrote the law. So, like, we're only holding the government to the standard that they were cheerleading yeah. six years ago. Yeah, that's yeah. the best part about it for me. But no, it is. I love, absolutely love it. And it, specifically when people like Gina Miller come along and like you know say, hey, look, you know, if you, the, the final say has to go through Parliament, blah blah. They're like, what do you mean? Whoa, 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 whoa. whoa. Well, yeah, but that's more sovereignty for you guys, right? You know that that plays into your anyway. But, sorry, you but, were but, say. but it does it does make a point that essentially um, this whole Brexit process is resulting in us transferring powers. To the EU, mm. powers that um, powers that they didn't have before, because the EU will be the bigger player after, after Brexit. The EU will be a big will be a big player, whilst we're on the sidelines um, in, in, of an institution that will no longer have a say in. So it just this whole this court case just highlights how Brexit is weakening us. Mm. And is this something that's going to gain traction, or is this just going to like slowly bubble under the surface? I mean, how how do you feel from so the people you've spoken timeline, to? The timeline is. The, within, the government has around two weeks to reply to our initial letter. They will probably kick it into the long grass, which gives them another month, uh, at which point they will probably say, no, we don't agree with your analysis, and then we actually take them to court. Uh, I think the earliest we could actually get a final decision on whether or not our interpretation of uh, the European Union Act is correct is probably late July. God, the, your interpretation. This sounds amazing. Is no, it, no, no. It, I, I mean, look, the people that you need to, you know... Um, Give all the credit to uh, the amazing legal minds, so Jessica Seymour and uh, Pavlos something, who wrote an incredible blog, which I was reading the other day, which basically sets this all out. Yeah. Uh, those are the great folks who've come up with this idea. Do you feel like that's the way of killing Brexit? Is just no, basically... No, 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 no not. Absolutely not. <laughs> um, uh, we're, 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 this, this court case is making the point yeah. that Brexit is going, is going against um, the notion that we'll be increasing our sovereignty. Mm-hmm. That's, that's the main point of this. We're not trying to kill Brexit via, via, via this court case at all. Um, because, the, as, as we've said several times, the will of the people can only be changed or altered or, or, or reversed by the will of the people. The only way Brexit can and should be stopped is by a vote by the people. Yeah. And so where do you stand then on, a, on, on parties parties uh people such as the lib dems calling for a second referendum final say uh you know on the deal uh, that's absolutely what needs to happen yeah um, there needs to be there needs to be a vote i mean the difference the, the, this idea that it's being it's being called a second referendum as if it was just some repeat of what happened in 2016 that's not the case at all in 2016 could you i mean people um, leave voters often get angry when we when we say you don't know what you voted for but can anyone on either side predict the outcome of two years of negotiations in a process that's never been undertaken before? No. So to say you didn't, you don't know, you didn't know the outcome of Brexit simply means you're not clairvoyant. Um, you keep saying how, how predictions are, are, are wrong and, and how you can't trust predictions. Well, how could you have predicted how these negotiations are going to go? 
Um, so there does need to be a vote on what we get back in October, which will be some sort of draft treaty with the EU, which will likely result in a loss of sovereignty, which will likely result in either damaging the Good Friday Agreement by instilling a hard border or them having some vague statement which might result in us eventually damaging the Good Friday Agreement later down the, down the line. Yeah. But this government doesn't really care because that's in the future and it'll be for us to deal with. Yeah, right, exactly. Um, and have you got any to, anything to add to that? Because I just, you, you Yeah, just... well, I think it's um, the point that Femi just made is the, ho- the whole tagline is let's take back control. And as Femi just highlighted, is Brexit is the opposite of that, really. Yeah. And, you know, you don't want to, it's not necessarily, as Femi said, if you get to a final, kind of a final say at the end, it's not a rerun of the, of the referendum in June 16, but you've still got to kind of hold them to their own standard. Yeah, yeah, no, exactly. I think that's, I think that's what this does. Well, that's what I was thinking on your point, Will, was basically that, you know, holding them to the standard, the law by law that was that this whole thing was about in that the first made. place. That made, they made, you know. But it's interesting when you guys were chatting there about the um, negotiation when we blew, blew the start of the whistle on those. It's like I just had like a sunny football pitch in my mind and then the rain started, and the football started, and the whole football pitch has been slowly destroyed, and the end of the, you know, the full whistle, full-time whistle is going to blow, and then, you know, everyone gets to look at the pitch and go, shit, that's your Brexit deal, man. <laughs> you know, it's like, that's how I feel. That's I, what- I think it's like, um, like, we have a vote on what tactics or formation to go into the first half with. We take that vote, we put five at the back, we get hammered 6-0, we get to half-time, and then, you know, there's some idiot in the changing room who's like, no, 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 we have to keep five at the back. We have to keep all the players on the pitch. This is what we said we're going to do. And then we get hammered 11 nil. Like, we may as well at least change the formation, change the tactics when we have the opportunity to. I just think it's just... Yeah. Spoken like a true Arsenal I mean, fan. <laughs> <laughs> Arsenal should definitely not have five at the back. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm not going to do a football analogy because I'll sound stupid. Um, but I will say that this Brexit was billed as this great populist movement, this great power to the people. But there has never been a time in my history where um, I think the people have felt any more powerless than right now. Because right now, nobody likes the direction the government's going, and yet we feel trapped by this notion of the will of the people. Forgetting the people is us. We, this notion that we should be shutting up and letting the government do whatever, whatever it wants, even if we believe that it's going in the wrong direction, even if it's not giving us the things that Brexit has voted for or the things that Remainers yearn for, that is wrong. Yeah. It's anti-democratic to suggest that the people should simply shut up for something that they don't want. Before, before we lose Will, because Will's got to head off, I just want to um, ask you guys about the... Um, you, it's, obviously, it's, it's a young, younger movement, how I mean, from a layman's perspective, where are you guys coming from to talk to the older generation, talking to the older generation, if at all? If uh, no, we. I mean, look, we absolutely are. Like, I think there's a lot of you know 50 year old women who are very into feminism. That's what I'm going to say with regard to oh, the dialogue. Oh, really? but we're, <laughs> we're getting excited by feminism. I'm I'm not going to comment on that. Um, it's not that kind of show, man. <laughs> He's got bright red. I, mean, <laughs> I didn't think it was possible, but apparently I have. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. Uh, okay, what was I going to say? Um, <laughs> we're talking about the older generation. We're, 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 yeah. We're, um, the thing is, this is an intergenerational issue. Um, and the fact is, we are speaking to everybody. Because um, um, this, 
young people are the voice, the face of this movement, but this is about the whole country. Um, this is about simply, um, simply saying the future of this country does not want Brexit. The under-55 population of the UK voted to remain. Possibly even the under-65, I haven't done the math entirely, but definitely under-55. And Brexit takes decades. You cannot re-legislate the country, make all of your own laws in 5, 10, 15, 20 years. You can't make trade deals with hundreds of countries around the world in 5, 10, 20 years. That takes decades. So before Brexit is anywhere near complete, we will have a population that voted to remain. Um, and that is an argument that everyone, everyone can relate to. Because I, don't, I believe strongly that if you ask British parents, are you okay giving your children a future that you know they don't want, a future that you know that, that they, voted, they voted to avoid, a future that you know they'll be living with for their whole lives, they're going to have to be looking for a job in that economy, paying for a mortgage in that economy, raising families in that economy, not just the economy, but in that political environment, that, with that relationship with our neighbours, and knowing that they believe, for them, even though it might work differently for, 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 for other people, being an EU citizen only amplifies what it means to be British. Mm. For us, being British is better in the EU. Mm. Um, and so that, and, that, and for, for, the, for those of us, who, and actually, if you do the maths, EU citizenship became a thing for those who are aged, I think, 42 and up, 42 and, 42 and below. So that's, um, that's the first, that's the first um, age group where, where the only adult identity they've ever had is being an EU citizen. And that's the age group that voted to remain. Yeah. Um, and that's what Brexit is stripping us of. So I think if you ask British parents, are you okay stripping, stripping your, your, your kids of the only identity they've ever known? They have to answer no. Yeah, no, no, I take that completely. Um, my only thought when you, got, when you were saying that was there are a lot of people that voted leave specifically for their kids. How, what, what's, yes, you know? I, yeah, I was going to say, you, you saw people during the um, referendum saying, well, it might be hard for me for a couple of years, but I'm thinking about my kids. This is from, you know, certain areas of the, yeah, the country. I mean, no, like, that is, like, my grandparents, um, some of my grandparents... No, vote, uh, voted leave for precisely that reason. My parents voted leave for that reason. Like nobody, no leave voter in the country voted leave sadistically. Ah, oh, fucking hate my grandkids. <laughs> you know, fuck yeah. them. You know, it's just yeah. not going to happen. Like, like we can't. You know, we're all basically the same people. Like we're all very like British. We love our country. Blah blah. Uh, the the thing that we have to do is just convince them that the best thing for their grandkids or for themselves. It's to stay in the European Union. It's very simple, and the best way to do that is just to, uh, you know, go out every single day and fight as hard as we can, if you care about it, yeah. to try and convince them. Yeah. I suppose there's like a, a what is the, I could, I always put this back to party terms because I suppose that's where I come from. My my background was Liberal Democrats. It sort of st still is, although I'm not very active anymore. How how are you guys getting the message out there? Is it an online campaign? Is it just literally activating your grassroots membership? Um, is it a UK basing? Is it more yeah. just Hull and London? Is it, is it? I'm trying to paint a pretty picture for everyone yeah, yeah. listening where you guys are and how you how they can reach out to you guys and get involved. Yeah, so uh, it, it's definitely both. Like the way to mobilise young people is to use like all of the technologies that young people use, but you know the best the, there will never be anything better than visiting an area and talking to people and mobilizing them and convincing them that look we have 10 months to try and save our country and actually young people can make a difference here so join us yeah. and and that message really resonates you know when like we have a uh, 
quite a few people in Hull now after, after as you write we have been there a few times uh, but no we've got places all over the place yeah. and there's a list on our website for anyone who wants to wants to get involved who is a student there are you know places where we don't currently have people and where we need them uh, I think it's getting smaller uh, every week but then also we're very very focused on not just being a bunch of students whining in you know junior common rooms you know this is about authentic young people if you care about Brexit this is for you like yeah. it, this is not like some middle class fad like yeah action massively. yeah exactly yeah. like I mean I wish Callum was here because he articulates it really well but like like the country is fucked for so many young people yeah. and like we to solve those issues one of the things that we have to do is to stop Brexit yeah. and that's a message which convinces everyone yeah I and I think this you know with the OBR forecast that came out yesterday I think we've, we'd still be paying for Brexit yeah. like, I, my, I know you're Will you're about to come out a father I've got a kid due in May you know when thank you but yeah so when when she's going to be you know she'll still be paying when she's 46 for brexit you know and she had no she wasn't even you know she was wasn't even did you just spoil the gender of your kid for your wife I know she knows as well this is fine but um we can delay the podcast yeah we can delay the podcast but she knows no she knows um but yeah, and you know, and that's crazy when you think about that. Like, this isn't just people like Will. It isn't people that are teenagers now. It's people that are still going to be lumbered with this. Yeah, you know, that haven't even been born yet. Yeah, it makes student debt look like a you know walk in the park. Really. You know, they're, they're, that's over half their working life where the company where the country is still paying off. Yeah, and that's um, crazy. Sorry, sorry to interrupt you. Are you are you good or? Yeah, sorry, I do have yeah. to go. Can okay, I... you can say goodbye to the listeners. Goodbye, thank you so much for having me. It was really good fun. Yeah, so Andy, obviously, from Remaining Hours with us. Andy, where, where did it all start? So, I suppose I've probably got a story that's familiar with probably quite a lot of people that are anti-Brexit and are now starting to do things. Is I didn't do much in the referendum. I didn't think it was ever going to end up with a leave vote. I... I just had my first child, just having mentioned my kids, so didn't have the time to naturally focus. Apart from sticking an I'm in, in photo up on my window, it was just shouting at my echo chamber with uh, articles about it, really. And yeah, then yeah. gradually over everything that's happened since, as things have been unfolding, I've been... That was, was fairly... A, was probably a quite angry, but not necessarily making much of a difference person yeah, just a bit like me a bit of an armchair politician perhaps yeah exactly just shouting to a, a small echo chamber on twitter and you know interacting with things but not really doing much but and but as i saw everything unfolding i got even more concerned about brexit than i had been seeing you know treatment of eu citizens seeing you know the damage that's still still happening to the nhs just how shambolic the negotiations are where you know the, the government can't even decide what they're doing I felt I had to do something more yeah um, and one thing that I'd picked up on uh, just from being in you know like pro pro remain Facebook groups but also um, just on Twitter was there was a lot of rem- people that call themselves you know hardcore remainers would were, were having were not being that helpful in in many ways people would they were it's it's maybe not the majority of people but they were just slagging off people that voted leave tarnishing everyone with the same brush um and what i had realized was there was a number of people on twitter especially over the the summer just gone that were starting to properly talk about the fact that 
they've now looked at everything and they are now just as anti-Brexit as I am or what have you. They're so these are people that have voted leave, are they? Voted yeah. leave, but voted leave in the majority, but sometimes people who are, had abstained and just hadn't, hadn't bothered to vote because they didn't understand the implications and they didn't feel they should or they didn't think they needed to because they thought it would be a Remain landslide. Yeah. You know, all of these people. But I just started to notice that there was a number of people that were just starting to come out and not just not just be kind of quiet about it, just say, I'm a Remainer now. I didn't understand at the time or I thought we were... I did it on the guarantee we'd remain in the single market because I saw an interview and that was what Daniel Hanan said or, yeah, yeah, or yeah. what have you or people who are concerned about the NHS and that was their driver and they were coming out and they were talking about it. They were yeah. writing blogs on Twitter they, and posting them on Twitter. They were doing long threads explaining it. And there just wasn't really a forum for that. Of, you know, It was just one off and there wasn't a base where everyone was coming together. And uh, I'd just been thinking about for a while that maybe that needed to happen. <laughs> I wasn't really sure why. And then um, kind of a couple of things happened that really kept me together. It was um, David Davis. We were just talking about him in relation to the court case. My, my trigger that made me mean, right, I've got to step up here, was the fact that he'd had that, he sat in front of Hillary Benn at that uh, select committee oh, and, and basically was asked, you know, have you done an assessment on aerospace? No. Have you done it on automotive? No. The answer is going to be no to all of them. And I was just... You know, that did it for you. I did it for me. I just couldn't believe how how someone who is in a position of power that is supposed to be acting in the UK's best interest could be, you know, what is it? What well, is a complete dereliction of duty and negligent? And I just decided, right, I've got to do something. And uh, I went along to a Sodan protest. I don't know if you're familiar with them. What protest? Sorry, a Sodan protest. They're um, they, they're they're at Parliament basically every day. Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. I know Stephen Bray. Stephen, yeah. Stephen oh, yeah. Bray, you might have seen the guy in the big hat yeah, yeah, and yeah, all yeah. of that. I saw him on Twitter the other day uh, patting Giva Hoshta on the back. Anyway, Exactly, yeah. 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 And I, I just went along to that and started chatting to people who, were, who were, had just picked up something and run with it. Uh, there's a Twitter account called EU Flag Mafia mm. who, okay. uh, who goes around hanging EU flags everywhere <laughs> and... And he's been doing it since since June 16, basically. And I'd started chatting to him about how he'd got involved. And yeah. I kind of like, well, well, maybe I should do something. And then, uh, yeah, one, one Friday night, I was sat, sat at home, was on, just on Twitter, just happened to see a tweet from one lady that said, uh, replied to, I think it's Martin Lewis, the money-saving expert, saying who, you know, who, who voted leave feels, you know, feels hard done by. And, and yeah. she said this leave voter feels completely and utterly betrayed everything we were everything we were that we were promised yeah. is just not materializing and another lady replied straight away going me too and the first lady um i'm sure she won't mind me mentioning her name is julie um said yes if um i'm sure there are many many of us if someone brought all these if all these people could be brought together the numbers would be very powerful yeah, and that was just my trigger. <laughs> so how did you how did you do that then? How so, did you go about doing? Because because Femi, you were a, a Twitter guy, right? You were you had a base of, on Twitter, and then it sort of then you met Will, and it spiraled into this, you yeah, know, yeah. our future, our choice. Um, have you have you got anything you could, like maybe in common there with the the Twitter sphere that suddenly became something else? Uh, it was 
I basically, I mean, I've been doing the, the facts thing for, for a while, and then I guess things sort of picked up after the general election when people realized that there was a chance that things could be stopped, and that was when I thought, okay, let's get serious about this, and so our future, our choice... Um, I realized that the young arg- the youth argument was cutting through quite well um, because um, people care about their kids. And as, as we've said, people voted for, pe- many people, older people voted for their kids, but weren't fully aware of just how much their kids didn't want this, um, which is essentially the point that needed to be made. Yes, you, you, you feel like you did this for us, but we really don't want this future. Um, and and so yeah, it, w- it was actually somebody on Twitter that said Will is doing the same thing as you, but in a grassroots sense rather than just purely on Twitter. Yeah. You need to hook up with him, and so we did. So it's funny, isn't it? You so you've got that in common in terms of like seeing something on Twitter, a message as basic as I feel like I've been let down. These promises, you know, I've been lied to. And then the next thing you know, you've got what seven or eight thousand followers on Twitter. Or uh, yeah, between six and seven thousand. Yeah. I, I this this was December. I, I started this from nothing. You yeah. know, I didn't. I just started doing a few, putting a few hashtags in because I, I just thought it was an important message that needed to get out there. And I'm, you know, I'm just, you know, I've never been an activist before. Yeah. And and yeah, now I've got yes, yeah, just over six thousand. We've got a Facebook group. We're setting up a website. Um, talking about lots of other things to do such as getting you know meetups for these people that feel the same way and yeah. people who feel that you know their things are being done in their name they're being Le- lever anonymous yeah yeah kind of because um, you know people are saying oh the people have, you know we went talked about this will on the people argument before that there's an awful lot of people that they're seeing what's being done and they're being said this is one of the 17 million people that, that want this when they don't and I'm just, it's really about so sorry I've kind of maybe done this with assuming a lot of people know so what we really do it's a Twitter account I share people like that the Julie who I just mentioned just quoted her tweet shared it said this is Julie she voted Lee for this reason but she's changed for this reason well done Julie for talking about it and yeah. it was just tweets like that and yeah. I used the people who I'd mentioned that I'd seen over the course of the summer and just started sharing four or five a day yeah and it just built a community pretty quickly um yeah just 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 two things one uh, just to harken back to what you said about david davis uh if that mobilized you hearing him screw up so massively in the select committee uh you should look at one of the tweets that he made i think three days before the referendum where he said don't worry uh i'm pretty sure that all the trade deals that the eu currently has with other countries we'll get to keep after we leave that means he doesn't understand the absolute <laughs> basics of international trade, yet he is the one holding the, the keys to the biggest trade, trade negotiations in this country's history. And, and that must be the essence of a lot of people's anger and annoyance, is that they know that those people, Boris Johnson, uh, David Davis, they knew for, for a fact that this was... In their minds, they probably thought, Remain's going to win anyway, what's the point, who cares? And now they're left holding this... Yeah. This weak little baby child, you know. Well, I'm thinking of a better analogy than that, but you know. Well, from the polling, um, it's it, of the groups of of the of the chain people who've changed their minds since. Um, it's the people that didn't vote that have gone more towards remain than leave, mm. which just highlights the fact that there was complacency. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, so, so I mean, what what are like the stories? Because I I, I suppose you don't. This must be a, 
fine line between like gloating uh, or look at you remainers because I'm sorry leavers you know oh you've come around now and all that kind of thing I know you wouldn't have that but I know there are some people out there that would be like yeah well you know I want this 16% uh, up in Newcastle I want that to you know when you've left Brexit you're going to be 16% better off I want that I want you to suffer poor, 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 poor. Poor you know, poorer yeah, sorry, what poor, did yeah, I say you better off. Fuck, okay I'm really tired we've had a different impact study to me <laughs> yeah yeah yeah. Oh, well, you've, you read, you've read Boris's Johnson <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. you're basically um, referring to the impact studies that show that the areas they voted to leave will be the worst hit by yeah, Brexit and, yeah. and the northeast specifically will be 16% worse off in terms of um, GDP growth uh, if we leave without a deal. Yeah, exactly. And so hearing people that have changed their minds specifically on that data, is it, do you feel that some Remainers kind of go, oh, well, you voted for it? You, you do. You, I, I'm not going to say everyone who voted Remain is, is better than people that voted Leave or people that abstained because I see some Remainers, I've had to call a couple out, who have said, you know, I share this story of someone you know, being quite brave because it's a pretty divisive issue, breaks, Brexit, yeah. saying, look, I've changed my mind. I'm, I'm willing to hold my hands up. I made a mistake. I see things differently now. And you get people going, oh, well, you've just got to think about what you've done and you've completely screwed the country over. It's your fault. Yeah. And, you know, that is just completely It's unhelp- not helpful. It discourages people from doing what, what, that, what that person just did. And, I, and I've said several times that it's all well and good for a Remainer to say Brexit is bad. It's a totally much more brave thing for a Leave voter to say Brexit is bad and that they want to stop it. I've likened it to um, a war going on and the, having the bravery to actually stand up during a gunfight, walk across no man's land while people while you're getting shot from both sides yeah, yeah. and join the and join the other side. That is courage. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you don't see that a lot on. I suppose what happens is you just don't see that a lot. Um, on question time or whatever or any platform you never really see anyone in the audience going well I voted leave but I've changed my mind or hell even a panellist that, that, that said I vote leave I've changed my mind it's very much got the, the feeling of a civil war at the moment and I think that's it is that it's people are kind of entrenched on this side and they kind of feel they've got this identity that you know I knew, I, I knew better I was a Remainer or I'm vastly patriotic UK can stand on its own lever yeah, yeah. and then these, these kind of there was two tribes but really if we're going to get to the goal that you know both the group that Femi's, Femi's involved with and Will, Will are involved with and I are trying to achieve which is try and find a way out for the country from what I think is an absolute huge mess that will screw over my future my kids future <laughs> um, yeah um, and you know, and for all these people that are in Northern Ireland or the North East mm. that are potentially going to be far worse off mm. off as a result, is you've got to you've got to get away from the tribal, and it's got to be a understanding attitude. And the whole point of what I try to do with the Twitter account, and it's not now Facebook. As I said, it's expanding to be grassroots as well, and you get people on on the streets trying to encourage people to give them a safe space where they yeah. can find people that are going to say look I understand why you, I understand there was you had concerns and that's why you voted leave yeah. or you were given this bit of information and that's why you voted leave but the fact that you're willing to stand up and say I made an error we should change course yeah I completely respect that and let's fight this together well, yeah. in, the, in the words of David Davis a democracy has a right to change its mind exactly right? yeah. and, and the thing is 
there, we have to stop this idea that one side is on the whole better than the other, which, many, which I believe many Remainers are guilty of. But they believe that they believe that they were the ones with the right fact. That they were the ones that knew better. They were the ones that were educated. That is wrong. Um, what both sides did was they t- they picked a group of media journalists and politicians, and they went with the, they went with what was said by the politicians that they trusted. That's what both sides did. Um, no, if, unless you studied EU law, you didn't do this on actual re- on actual cold hard research. Or, and who opened a treaty book? Who opened a treaty book before the referendum? Nobody did. And and so I've said, I mean, I myself studied EU law in two universities, and even I don't think I'm better than any lever. Why? Because it doesn't make me better. I got lucky. I just happened to study the topic that ended up being the subject matter of one of the biggest decisions in our country's history. That doesn't make me better than anybody. So how much more somebody that hasn't studied EU law telling, telling, telling a lever that he's better than them just because he happened to trust Cameron over... Boris. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and I think Femi's point is like one of the huge issues at the moment is how much Brexit, or at least the government's approach to Brexit, is going to be a complete nightmare for Northern Ireland and the Good Friday Agreement. I thought I followed the campaign closely. I said I didn't campaign, but I thought I followed it really closely. I had no clue about what the leave vote would mean for that. Yeah, no, no, so, no. Do I? Know, how, and yeah. Most people wouldn't have done. No, no. So, I, I had a clue about that. I yeah. was like, "What the fuck are I mean, you talking?" When that came up, I was like, "What the fuck are you talking about?" Just, just, just look, just look at it on the on the facts. I, I barely remember Northern Ireland being men, being mentioned at all during the entire 2016 referendum debate, and yet it is the biggest sticking point in these negotiations. That in and of itself says that we weren't given the proper facts. Yeah. If that's been the biggest sticking point, and it and it's the thing mentioned the least. That's a problem. Yeah. And, and ironically, the one person I do remember seeing something about talking about the Northern Irish issue was Theresa May as Home Secretary. I think that's the one thing I was aware of. Well, she'd be acutely aware of the, the yeah, of, the, of that treaty. So it's quite ironic that, yeah. you know, that she was the one person that at least I remember at least saying something about it. But yeah. I think that's the thing. And that, that's what I'm trying to do. And we're, we're trying to grow the movement, get other people involved. Because, you know, I've, you know I'm, I'm not like... You know, Femi, who is putting everything. I'm I'm doing this part time, so we're trying to grow it, and um, I'm trying to draft other people with you know working with organisations like Best for Britain and yeah. and uh, Mike Goldsworthy from Scientists for EU, yeah. just to try and really push it to try and just get this out there and get a safe space really for these people to talk about yeah. with the plan to have evidence to give to the you know to the media to MPs mm. of these people who are saying you know I voted leave but I've changed my mind yeah. there's here's a hundred of them that voted for the NHS reasons for example and uh, they they're now feeling completely you know misled about that or you know yeah. what have you and to, to make MPs realize because you know I, I can't pretend to know the minds of all MPs but I'm pretty confident there is a, num- a number of MPs out there in, in the two major parties who think that Brexit is bad. They know it's going to be bad for their constituents, mm. but they feel tied by either party lines or by this vote in June 2016. We see that. That's the thing, isn't it? It's, part, it's the old system, the old party system that is is preventing an awful lot of very decent-minded, very intelligent politicians from doing the right thing. And I'd probably point my finger at um, Jeremy Corbyn. He's obviously bound by um, his natural predilection to hate the European Union because it's um, 
you know, it's set in, it's set set against his DNA, effectively. But is there a way with you guys that you can circumnavigate all this? Uh, Circumnavigate the political parties and the systems and just like kind of, I don't know, bend around it and then just get to where you want? Well, um, there's there's, there's two things. One, in terms of Jeremy Corbyn, we need to make him realise that that pursuing Brexit actually goes against everything he stands for. Um, for one, he's worried about um, the EU preventing him from nationalising public services. That is done in in several countries around the around the EU. There are many countries with national with nationalised infrastructure, um, so that's not factually accurate. He's worried about the NHS. Um, well, uh, the NHS will be doing will be doing far worse. If we end up end up getting into a trade deal with Trump, which results in, in further privatization, the NHS the NHS will be doing far worse. If, given the fact that EU migrants make up five percent of the population and ten percent of our doctors, and, and we're seeing we're seeing doctors and nurses leaving right now, and, and and registrations to be doctors in the UK falling, that is what's damaging the NHS. Brexit is a threat to the NHS, and if our economy does worse, there's less funding for the NHS. He's worried about make, making sure that um, little businesses, small businesses, and medium-sized businesses can get by, and it's not, and we don't have a country that's run by large multinationals. Well, what what did we get? We had a vote that was supposed to be anti-globalization. The consequence of it was global Britain. Um, that means that we're we're, we're favouring large companies that can afford to trade beyond the EU or for the increased cost of trading with the EU outside of the single market, that does not benefit small and medium-sized businesses. That gives an advantage to the larger ones. That's against everything Jeremy Corbyn stands for. And he has this belief that those calling um, to stop Brexit are asking him to abandon his values. No, we're asking him to live up to them. Um, and how do we how do we get around the, the political gameplay that's going on? We make the point that, the, the the as we said the, ma- the majority of MEPs believe that Brexit is bad for the country, and yet they're going to have a deal put before them in October, which they know will be bad for the country, the country that they're supposed to represent, the country they're supposed to protect, and so we have to make we have, and so they'll have the choice: do I pursue something that I know will hurt the people I'm supposed to protect, or do I go another way? The other way they could go is by giving it back to the people. What better way to rid themselves of responsibility for, for doing something that they know will hurt the country than passing the buck to the people? If, if they know it's going to hurt us, the best thing they can do now is say, all right, this is probably going to hurt you, but if you want it, just sign right here. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I think, you know, we just talked about um, Labour, but I think it's the same. some of the same arguments of betraying everything they stand for goes against the number of you know, apart from the, the far right wing, the, a lot of the One Nation conservatives, you know, there's some that are absolutely, you know, Anna Subri is someone who's re- is starting to really stick her neck out uh, much more recently, and I've got a lot of respect for her. But I think there's a lot more of those people who their natural instinct is conservative economy, the friend of the entrepreneur, yeah. and for, you know, a number of the reasons that Femi's just said, it's Brexit, and especially the government's version of Brexit is completely against the entrepreneur and and the things that a lot of i think conservative mps would have grown up believing that that's what they represented and they were there to um yeah to protect those interests i mean in terms of you know seeing the good side of of the european union and what it represents and everything that you illustrated both of you there how do we is it about you guys also bringing over those people from europe the european union people like Barnier and uh, Guy Verhofstadt, etc. 
to to show some of these leave minded people that are on the fence you know actually do you know what guys this is what we're really about you know uh, well bring- or is that really stretching it Bringing Giver Hofstadt and Michel Barnier across and getting them to convince leavers, I don't see that working at all. Uh, they've, been, they've been painted as the enemy, and right now, they are our adversary. We voted, the Brexit vote means we voted as a country to turn the largest trading bloc for a thousand miles around into our economic competitors. And right now, the EU is protecting its own interests. Interests which used to be ours, but now they're protecting the 27 rather than the 28. So I don't think Michelle. Okay, so maybe not the big guys, but maybe a smaller group of people. Uh, this not necessarily this age group, but this maybe someone that's a group that are less political. You reaching out to them, there must be people. So you mean what on mainland Europe? Yeah, yeah. Like there must be people within the liberal, more democratic side of things within the European Union that would love to have you know to come over here and and help you guys out and go, hey, look, you know, we're not we're not all bad, you know. I think you know. I think Femi's. The, the issue has got that there is there is a number of people because it is still tribal in many ways that just see them as the enemy they see France as the enemy they see even with everything that's been going on in the last couple of days with yeah. um, obviously the tragic events with the, the poisoning um, and the EU have been standing side to side you know with coming up and saying they're very much not the enemy they are with us a number of people will still think how dare you know, someone okay. from France come over and, and tell me how to think. Yeah. You know, I think in some ways it's a bit like when Obama did it, sometimes people thought that that was actually yeah. an error when Obama came yeah. over. Yeah. And we're like, well, why, why is he coming over and telling okay. me how to, to be? But, so, but the point okay. is we do, ha- we do have to address their concerns. We mm-hmm. have to address the concerns of, of, of Leave voters. And one of the biggest ones was immigration. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we need to make the point that, as I said, and as I explained to Nigel Farage, under EU law, Article 7, Citizens' Rights Directive, you cannot come to this country without a job unless you have sufficient resources not to become a burden on the social assistance system of the host country and have comprehensive medical insurance, which means the, the idea, the narrative that EU migrants come over here and sponge off the NHS or simply live off benefits, that's a lie. And if they are doing it, why? it's not because of the EU, because the EU has rules against it. It's the UK that hasn't been um, basically fulfilling EU law. If you want the UK to control immigration better, get them to stick to EU law. Don't get, don't remove EU law from the equation. Um, if and there's also the, as I mentioned, the effect of immigrants on the NHS, the fact that they're actually propping it up. And I, I said to Nigel Farage, um, because of the mass of the situation, rather than um, EU immigrants being a threat to the country, they're literally keeping it alive. Um, and then there's the then there are worries about um, all of the, all of the, the the refugee crisis. And you had Nigel Farage again with his breaking point poster pointing at the thousands of Syrians that are going to come here. Again, lie. The UK has an opt-out and asylum policy, which means that not one asylum seeker can enter this country without the UK's say-so. The, the Leave camp was designed to make the UK feel powerless. It was designed to make us feel like we weren't in control, when in fact, we were. We had all the, we had all the, all the, reins, all the reins there. Um, going to be forced to join an EU army? No. Defence policy requires unanimity. Going to be forced? Going to be forced to join Schengen? No. Unanimity. Um, going to be forced to join the euro? No. Unanimity. Turkey joining? No. It requires a unanimous vote to, to enter accession um, negotiations. 
We were made to feel powerless, so of course we voted to take back control, but those controls were already there. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, that, that's, that, that's a, you're so good at condensing the points. <laughs> Man, I wish I had you. Yeah, I, mean, I was so sad. <laughs> just like, God, how do you... Hey, uh, fuck it. Um, I mean, <laughs> I mean but when you're just... We'll have to end soon, but when you're... Well, well Andy, when you're um, talking to leave voters... I mean, I, uh, I'm going to be speaking with David Lammy at some point soon. But when I saw him speak in Parliament Square, he spoke um, quite um, vehemently about Brexit being a racist vote. Do you have any of that uh, feeling, that any of that sentiment coming from you, uh, from, from the Leave voters that sort of that have a problem with immigration when they, when they said, you know, I voted because of immigration? I, yeah, I think, you, and you do see that, and I see a number. There's quite a few people that you know. I've 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 shared their stories of, of them kind of you know, coming out to use a better phrase, but um, it and some of them say we still need to sort immigration. Like that that immigration concern hasn't gone away. I've just realised that it's far better to sort it from within because of all the other issues and all the other problems okay, Brexit yeah. will bring. Yeah. So you see that, but no, go on. There, there is, obviously, like Vince Cable got into some press at the weekend for some of the comments he made and some of them maybe misinterpreted, but, you know, there, there is an element out there that there was a racist racist vote, but it's definitely not... It's def- I think it's definitely the minority of yeah. Leave voters. Most of them did it over genuine concerns of for what's best... Yeah. What's in the be- what they thought was in the best interest, and that's the that's the common thread. If we're going to talk about having unity, having a united kingdom once more, then we have to recognise that the one thing we all have in common is that we voted in the best interest of the country. We disagree on on how to achieve that, but we have to we have to actually look at the facts and say, all right, the one thing we have to see as sacrosanct as holy is the fact that we want the best for the country. The facts on the ground are changing with every nego- with every negotiating negotiating step. So what we need to be doing as a country is all saying, all right, the 2016 referendum happened. We triggered Article 50. We started these negotiations, but the facts are changing. So we have to analyze our decision as to whether or not leaving or remaining is the best is the best choice based on what the facts are now. Mm, yeah, absolutely. I think it's a pretty yeah. good place to end it, unless you've got a. Uh, I was just about to just say I completely agree. Yeah, so yeah, I think yeah. that might well be where we can <laughs> stop. But, uh, cool. All right. Well, and, and did you want to say goodbye to the listeners? Yeah, just want to say goodbye. Sorry, I was late. Um, when, uh, <laughs> you so weren't late. Tired. Well, I wasn't late. We start. You, you guys started early, so yeah, maybe yeah. it's your fault. But yeah, <laughs> yeah, <you're right. laughs> no. Yep. Yeah, just. Hopefully you uh, found it interesting, and yeah, cool. uh, and we can and, and the listeners can find your uh, Remainer now. So it's yeah, it's just at Remainer now um, on Twitter, mm-hmm. or um, you know, there's a, like I said, there's a Facebook account, and then yeah. uh, hopefully we're going to you know, part of the reasons I was slightly late was talking about expanding into various other forums. So uh, brilliant, but yeah. So but if you follow either of those two, you, you hopefully get. Um, yeah, get it down. Later. That's very exciting. And Matt, mate, Femi, you can say goodbye as well. Um, yeah, I just want to say, all right. So, uh, our future, our choice. Ofoc. We are at um, Twitter at Ofoc Brexit, um, and same with Twit- with Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube, um, and Ofoc.co.uk. Uh, and you can follow me personally at Femi underscore Sorry because I tend to tweet fairly blunt things. So I figured an inbuilt apology was best. Um, Thank you very much for having me. Okay, that's cool. Now I know why you've got that Twitter handle. (laughs) Brilliant. Okay, see you guys. Take care. Going to be forced to join an EU army. No, the French are going to be forced to join an EU army. Going to be forced. Going to be forced. Name it. Name it. Name it.
I'm going to be forced to join the Euro. No, in an empty. Turkey joining. No, requires a unanimous vote. I'm going to be forced to join the Euro. No, in an empty.